Shadow of the Hook by Wolfgang Wimmers Passage 3 Stinking Crones and Monstrous Moans Snow and mud flew from the tyres as the car turned jerkily into the driveway. They parked in the garage and shut the roller door. Dad disappeared off into the house, grumbling something under his breath. Oscar took the seashells they had gathered into the front garden via the side door of the garage. We never needed these to begin with, he muttered, thinking of the shoebox of seashells gathering dust at the bottom of his wardrobe, the result of previous trips to the beach. Behind some bushes near the garbage bins, Oscar spotted a perfect little hole in the dirt. He noticed a strange smell back here, like burnt caramel mixed with rot. Holding his nose, he disposed of the shells, covering them up with some loose earth. From the garage's side door, Ash and Quilby kept a careful eye out in case the grovel was lurking around. Although nothing stirred in the bushes, they both definitely recognised the odour of unwashed troll in the air. Brushing the dirt and sand from his hands, Oscar headed inside. As he passed the other three, he said, Up to your room, sis. When he got no response, he peered more closely at his sister, who was sitting on the shoe holder. Tears were running down her cheeks. Rosa, what's wrong? he asked. I I had to wait till Dad left. I, I couldn't say anything in the car, but I saw something reach out and grab Sandy as we drove away from the beach. She burst into a fit of sobbing. Ash and Quilby came over to her, looking very concerned and sharing worried looks with Oscar. Rosa! Oh, you poor lass, said Ash. Did you see what snatched her? Calming down a little, Rosa described how she saw the same thin green arm and huge hand they had all seen in the mirror earlier shoot out to grasp their fairy friend, pulling her back into a clump of beach grass. She had also caught sight of a mop of dark hair. Oh, oh my, that, that in, indeed sounds like a grubble, said Quilby. Ah, if I were only a little larger... I'd just clobber that creep and be done with him, said Ash, his face red with anger. Okay, calm down, said Oscar. Let's keep our heads and work out what our next step should be, now that the grubble has her. We we need to trust Sandy and, and believe she n n knows what she's doing. Perhaps she m meant for this to happen, said Quilby. At that, Rosa's face brightened a little. Well, she did say she'd have to capture him with kindness. What if, in order to do that, first she had to be captured by him? It makes a kind of sense, I guess, said Ash. After thinking it over for a few more moments, Oscar said, OK, we stick with the plan and let Sandy do her work. The others all nodded in agreement. All right, let's get up to Rosa's room, said Oscar. Rosa wiped away her tears and peered cautiously into the main part of the house. Safe, 
she whispered, then took off up the stairs with Ash and Quilby in tow. Oscar poked his head into the lounge to see Mum and Dad sitting reading silently on the couch. Dad was close to the fire, his comfortable slippers back on his feet. They looked very settled. The children would have all the time they needed. Turning, Oscar bounded up the stairs, two at a time, heading towards Rose's room. As he reached the landing, he could hear Ash's voice raised in alarm. I don't like it. Not, not one little bit. I won't have you children put yourselves in danger like this. It should be us facing the danger. Alone. Oscar entered his sister's room to find an agitated Ash pacing the floor, his little broken wings trembling. Please try to calm down again, Ash, Oscar said. Remember what Sandy told us. We're in this together. Rosa and I said we'd help, and we're not going to leave you to face this alone. No matter how weird and unbelievable it all is. Ash slowed his pacing and looked up at Oscar. Uh, you're a brave one, you are, lad. And who knows? It might even turn out to be fun, said Rosa. Oscar smiled at his sister, then hunkered down beside the two fairy folk. So what can you tell us about Mrs. Von Lipp? The story was spun of the shadowy place, where art mixed with magic, a talented space, but twisted and tortured and under the grip of a shady old woman called Mrs. Von Lipp. A long time ago she had danced with the folk, but the magic was lost. She'd played a cruel joke. She was jealous of fairies and wanted to fly, stuck glue to their wings as they slept in the rye. She was banished from under the hook on that day, and her fairy-bound magic was taken away. But now she was back at the foot of the peak, awaiting the day for revenge dark and deep. The happiest person a person could meet, Von Lip with her smile and her candy so sweet. Her happy demeanour was all just a ruse, eager to anger and easily bruised. A dangerous wolf in Poppy Dog's coat, too ready to pander and eager to dote. But like cotton candy and pops that you lick, a little too much and you're feeling quite sick. She ached for forgiveness, but screamed of intent, of making the magic folk fear and lament. She'd stare at the forest, then look to the sky. Her one only weakness, she wanted to fly. For four brave souls and one twisted old crone, the tale was told and their path was in stone. The battle was drawn and the strategy set for the ultimate prize, a spider silk net. Tick, tock. Oscar looked at his wristwatch again. It was already late morning. Time was flying, but there was so much more to do. The children packed water bottles, a torch, a pocket knife, tissues, a gnome and a broken-winged fairy into their backpack, then crammed themselves back into their warm, puffy jackets for the short walk down to Spellbound Specialties Art Supply. Rosa placed her red puffball beanie on her head and then watched her brother struggle with the awkward-looking green woolen-brimmed hat Dad gave him last Christmas. Oscar looked at himself in the mirror. Ugh, I hate this thing, he muttered. But at least it's warm. Brother and sister walked down the stairs side by side, 
each carrying a strap of the backpack, while Quilby and Ash peered at them from the half-open zipper hole. Sorry, guys, Rosa said, then zipped them all the way up, leaving just enough of a gap for air to get in. Oscar took the bag and placed it over his shoulder. The children walked toward the front door, via the lounge where their parents still sat. We're going down to the art store at the bottom of the hill so we can get some brushes and paint for our project. Is that okay? asked Oscar. We have some money from our piggy banks, Rosa added. Looking up from her book, Mum asked, What's wrong with the brushes and paints you already have? They had prepared for this question earlier. The brushes are getting too old and we don't have the right colours for beach painting. So is that okay? Oscar asked again. Well, you're all dressed up for it, aren't you? Do you want another lift? No, No. they both said at once. Uh, no, uh, we like to walk and play in the snow and it's not that far, said Rosa. We might visit Johnny and Carl too to see how their project's going. Some of the other kids from my class might be there. Okay then, but be careful and don't be too long and don't go searching in the bushes for more fairies, Mum chuckled. Oh, and take the emergency cell phone. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Dad. Will do, yelled Oscar as he grabbed his sister by the arm and hurried them out the front door, grabbing the phone from the hall table. Phew, said Rosa, taking a deep breath. They stood with their backs against the door for a moment, letting the bitter cold of the day surround them. After a short silence, a small voice piped out of the bag. Well, well done, but you, you, you're squashing us a little... Oscar had trapped the backpack between himself and the door. Whoops! Sorry, guys, said Rosa, as they gave Ash and Corby some space. Wordlessly, the children set out into the chill and headed off down the road. Both felt a bit guilty about lying to their parents, but they could see no other option. Mum and Dad hadn't believed them when they'd tried telling the truth. Quilby was right. Grown-up minds were no longer open to magic. Even Oscar had had trouble believing in fairies at first. Rosa wondered if his sadness was a sign of growing up. As they walked down the hill, there was something a little creepy in the air. It was quiet and windy. Snow-capped trees lined the winding road, and shoveled driveways marked each house. And although there were a few houses between theirs and the shop, being in the middle of winter there weren't many children wanting to play outdoors. A couple of dark brown birds braved the weather, hopping to and fro around the bushes in search of food. Above everything, the mountain loomed, the sinister-looking snow-covered hook at its peak. Today it was mostly covered by fast-moving cloud. The hook only appeared occasionally. Rosa shivered as a gust of wind hit. To break the eerie silence of the walk, she opened up the zipper of the backpack and pulled a face at the two within. Uh, so, guys, uh, where do you both come from? You know, normally. Where do fairies and gnomes live? Ash spoke first. Mm. Well, we don't usually share this knowledge with humans, but I think, I think we could make an exception. We know we can trust you two. He looked at Quilby who responded with a nod. The magical folk of the hill live mostly in two villages further up the mountain. Not too far from the crooked mountain peak. You call it the Hook. 
The fairy village is inside five huge hollowed-out pine trees, where the fairies live in a great maze of homes. We call it the Grove, and the area is protected from intruders by a large circle of red-capped mushrooms. The uh, mushroom spores are, are poisonous to our nastier cousins, goblins, for instance, said Quilby. The m m mushrooms are of the species Amanita muscaria, or the fly Amanita. You see, what they d d do is... <clears throat> said Ash. I think we might have talked enough scientific detail today, lad. Ah, y yes, uh, indeed. M m m my apologies. Ash continued. Most of the non-flyers, like gnomes, live in the second village, Windermere. It's where I live now with Quilby's family. The village lies under a small valley, further around the mountain. If you didn't know about it, you'd never find it. Unless you were somehow led there by a fairy, that is. It's a beautiful town, Rosa. You would love it. A small stream flows through it, and our houses blend into the natural surrounds. Wizards p p place protection spells around the town to keep away the meanest of the animals and, well, humans, said Quilby. There are other m magical barriers in place over much of the hill. These b barriers are designed to make non-magical creatures f f feel like walking another way. I don't get it, said Oscar. What do you mean, feel like walking another way? Hmm, said Quilby. Let's put it this way. You live on the side of a hill under the shadow of a huge hook of a rock, right? Have you ever heard of anyone climbing that rock? Or even mentioning that they've been there? Oscar and Rosa looked at each other and shrugged their shoulders. Hmm. I guess not. It does seem a bit odd now that you mention it, said Oscar. He thought on it for a moment, trying to remember anything about anyone going to the hook. All he could come up with were spooky stories of ghosts and boogeymen. Nothing about anyone actually climbing it. You talked about how nasty goblins are before, said Rosa. Are they really as bad as you make them out to be? Ash's face darkened. There are two things in this world you should never trust. A person wearing beige trousers and goblins. Goblins are the nastiest of vile wretches. The world would be a much better place if they never set foot out of the bottomless hole they came from. Um, um, goblins are uh, weak-willed and, and greedy and have not a care for, for, for anything but themselves, said Quilby. They live in the underdark with, with many other shady beings. With the hobs, galumphs, and snot-glovers to name a few of the ugly brutes, said Ash, shuddering at the thought of them. His fractured and broken wings even joined in with his shiver. The uh, underdark is a, a dangerous hive of, of dark caves that's located deep beneath the hook. In the middle of the hive is a g -g -g giant steaming cave lit by the red g -g glow of the mountain's earth magic. There's a market there where the nasty greenish b -b -b beasts do their dirty dealings. 
Well, said Oscar, I think we'll be keeping away from there. You're a wise lad. But I would love to visit the grove and Windermere one day, said Rosa, then turned back down the hill. Look, we're almost at the shop. As the children came to the last bend in the road, a pebbly drive stretched off to their left. Set back from the road, and not yet visible among the trees, was Von Lipp's shop. Peering down the lane, Rosa noticed something unusual about the trees lining the path. Their branches jutted at unusual angles. It was as if hundreds of oaky arms were reaching out to grab the children as they passed. Am I seeing things? Is this creepier than usual? asked Rosa, the steam billowing from her mouth with every word she spoke. A little gnomling head poked up out of the backpack. The uh, potion I, I gave you earlier opens your eyes to new things, Rosa, Quilby said. Yeah, I think you're right, sis. If you actually look closely at the trunk of that tree, the whole thing looks like a giant twisted hand. Come on, let's just get there before we scare ourselves right out of going in. Small stones crunched loudly underfoot as the children slowly made their way toward the building ahead. The closer to the shop they got, the denser and creepier the tree's branches became. All was silent as they trudged except for the sounds of their boots on cold ground. The shop came fully into view. I've never noticed this before either, Oski, but now the shop looks creepy too, said Rosa. Oscar looked at the building. It was a large two-storey cottage. Slate tiles lapped over the gabled roof, which was blackened with age. Tufts of dark moss grew over the tiles and hung down the eaves. Shuttered windows on the top floor hid its contents from the outside world. There was a large wooden sign out on the driveway in front of the shop that read, Spellbound Specialties Art Supply, followed by, Art we open? Yes, we art. Mm, I agree. It looks totally creepy, Rosa. But that sign is so ridiculous, it can't be all that bad. Mm, guys, any last advice before we go in? Oscar zipped open the bag a little more, but not enough to expose the two fairy folk to any prying eyes. Ash whispered, Let's just take the direct approach. Get in there. Get the information we need, and get back out. And children, it's time to be strong. Remember, Von Lip is devious. She's likely to try and trick you when she finds out what you know about the magical folk. Uh, Ash is, is, is probably right, replied Quilby. We, we need to trust in Sandy, and that going through Von Lip is the only way. All that m m matters is we find out where the spider silk net is. It doesn't matter how we do it, as l l long as we do it. Good luck, children. With that, he and Ash sank back down into the bag, allowing Oscar to zip them up once more. Together the children walked up the path to the shop's front step. A wasp hovered near the door handle. Oscar waved it away and turned the knob. The door swung open. <laughs>